What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Welcome to the Intelligence Squared podcast. I'm producer Catherine Hughes. In today's episode, we're bringing you part two of a live recording from our Intelligent Times event series, which took place in collaboration with the New York Times. In this conversation, recorded in 2019, award-winning actor Willem Dafoe speaks to the New York Times European culture editor, Matthew Anderson. Together, they discuss Dafoe's long and varied career, his approach to acting, and his understanding of the changing film industry. Martin Scorsese himself has been in a bit of controversy lately over his pronouncements about superhero movies, and you've done some of these kind of movies themselves, Aquaman, Spider-Man, uh, and whatever, but he got himself into... The, the man movie. movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got himself into a bit of trouble speaking with Empire Magazine here in London, and he said uh, basically that he, he doesn't watch superhero hero movies. He thinks of them as more like theme parks than cinema, really. He could have written it off as just something careless that he said in a junket when the whole social media thing erupted, but he didn't. He doubled down on it. He wrote an editorial in the New York Times where he, uh, he returned to those themes and expressed them in even stronger language language than he had uh, before. It said they're sequels in names, but they're remakes in spirit, and everything in them is sanctioned only because it can't be any other way. Um, he said everything was vetted, modified, revetted, and remodified until they're ready for consumption. So it's not really a... It sounds like you have worked with a lot of great artists and enjoy that kind of, that kind of artistry. Do you agree with his comments about those superhero pictures? Ah, uh, agree. Um, I know what he's talking about, but I would not say that because that's not my experience because also I've worked in those movies and I've found pleasure in them I know their limitations but you don't judge one kind of movie by the standards of another it's always different and I think he's in a different position he's a, he's a director I'm an actor I think it really helps to keep me away from a certain kind of preciousness and a certain kind of rigidness if I mix it up not as a thing to be versatile, although that's nice, um, but that's not the aim. It's really more to change your game enough that you don't harden into habits as far as your work or, uh, you know, rigid ways about a movie can be made this way or can only be made that way. I think uh, there's lots of rooms for all kinds of movies. So I don't disagree, I don't agree, I know what he's talking about, Um, but 
Yeah, I won't say that. For those big popcorn blockbusters, though, it must be nice when loads and loads of people go see your movie. That's good, and that helps you, believe it or not, when you need um, financing um, for smaller movies, yeah. riskier movies, because some people will go, even though it's not the same kind of movie, you have, they have some sort of um, connection to that movie, so it opens things up. Um, and also, just as an actor, for, for example, on Aquaman that I did recently, I still like doing physical things. I still like doing uh, uh, stunts and things like that. And even though you don't see a lot of it in the movie, and I, I can talk to that frustration that they, you know, you shoot a lot and then it gets culled down to very little. But for example, that, I get to fly around on wires, you know, for weeks at a time. <laughs> and not just like a boyish fun thing, it was challenging. It was like an, uh, there was an athleticism to it and really kind of, it was fun, you know? I mean, we're talking about sometimes being as high as that ceiling and being dropped down on cables, you know, you're in a harness and all that, but just skimming the floor and then going up and then doing barrel rolls, you know, that's, that's fun. <laughs> and then when you start to film it and you lay in scenes and you lay in character, you know, it, there's something there. There's something there. How did you get into doing your own stunts? Because lots of actors just say, no, get someone else in to do it. I think it breaks, you know, it, it's, you know, the joke is, why would you want someone to make love to your wife? I mean, that's the fun part. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, it's, that's my job. And if, if I step out and someone else does that char character for a little while, I, then, then I got to reclaim it. I got to get back into it. I got to, that, you know, it should be one, I, I'm there for an experience, an experience that's, um, you know, filtered through all, all kinds of things, but that is transparent enough that people can have that experience with me. And if it gets too fragmented, then it's hard to feel that. We're going to come to questions from the audience in a moment. So if you do um, have any questions, do um, think about how you might phrase those quite succinctly. Um, but well, just one last thing I wanted to touch on with you, Willem, was another th issue that came up in Scorsese's um, op-ed. And that was, so weirdly, because he was promoting The Irishman, which is a kind of straight-to-Netflix picture in most territories, he wrote actually some very beautiful paragraphs about the power of cinema on the big screen versus watching it you know, on the laptop in bed or whatever. And I wonder what your view on that is as, as an actor. Do you, do you want people to watch your pictures on the phone? Of course not. Uh, but let's go beyond that, not even worry about what I want people to, to do. I, I, I can talk about me. I know the power of that thing that he's talking about, of going into a room with a bunch of strangers and having to sit there, having to go there, having to pay attention and receive something and receive it with a bunch of strangers in a room. That is very powerful and uh, can change how you think. If you control the experience too much, if you have the ability to turn it off, if you have the ability to take a phone call, if you don't like the first five minutes and say, well, let's try something else, you know? Um, you don't get your feet held to the fire. And I think sometimes in the most, you know, the most uh, rewarding movies, it's not easy. Sometimes really movies are difficult, you know? But if you stick with them, uh, 
you know, it's like, it's like anything. Sometimes the stuff that feels good right away doesn't sustain you. And the stuff that's hard in the end will sustain you. And in movies I like that. So from an audience point of view, if you have too much control, you have to submit somehow. And to be in a room of other people submitting to a bunch of light on the screen, you know, to basically have a collective dream, I think is cool. When it becomes my movie, my iPhone, my coffee, my, 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 I think that's when um, you miss the connection of the, the storytelling, the sharing of experience, and uh, the possibility to change how you think and break your uh, habits, break the lockstep. It's what Pasolini talked about all the time, you know? He was so prescient. He saw what was going to happen even before these tech, new technologies were present. He saw it coming. It turns people into robots. I mean, come on. People used to look at each other on the streets. Now they almost bump into each other because they're reading the phone. We all know that. I don't like to sound like a new crank. I've got an iPhone too. <laughs> I look at it far too much. But that's a long-winded... Um, Answer to your question. Are you, are you hopeful? I mean, because it's going more and more that way. A lot of more of the money's coming from Netflix, from the streaming services. Yeah. Are you hopeful for the future of the, the big screen? Well, I think we already see some, you know, people's desire for an authentic experience, <laughs> something they can taste. It's getting so far away from us. It's getting so mediated and so controlled. And there's a false freedom because you feel like you can go anywhere, but you go nowhere. There's no choices, and you aren't. You don't, you only go to where you want to go. And I don't think that's good. Sometimes, you, you know, it's not good. Also, that's, that's a great breeding ground for prejudice and hate because then you can really get into a them and us. But if you're forced, that's one of the reasons why I like New York City, you know? Yeah, it's a rich city. Yeah, real estate's a drag. Yeah, it's a business city. But people have to deal with each other. And I find that a place like New York is much more humane than a place like LA where everybody lives in their cars in their homes now you're going to have to deal with some people because we're going to go to the audience um, have we got the first question please uh, hi Willem um, I had hi. a question about your role in oh sorry I had a question about your role in uh, Mr Bean's Holiday the character um, in which on a serious, Mr Bean's Holiday oh on a serious question um, <laughs> That how much of how much of that that kind of director, the serious director, is there in you? Are you interested in making your own movies and that kind of thing, or is that are you just happy to be an actor? Um, Mr. Bean's Holiday was fun, <laughs> and one of the reasons why I did it uh, was uh, uh, Atkinson, uh, Rowan Atkinson. Uh, I loved him in Black Adder. And the idea that I would be working with that guy from Black Anna was like... <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like I'm a filmmaker. I, I collaborate with people. It depends on who the director is. But, um, and as I get older and I work with younger filmmakers, um, you know, they invite me in a little bit more. And I like that. But on the other hand, I never really want to be a director because maybe you can tell this just by this talk, but there's something uh, where I, 
To, I like being a little irresponsible. Uh, I feel free. I'm very responsible in in what I do, and also when I'm working on a movie for the whole movie. But I don't like being responsible for what stuff means or where we're going, because somewhere as an actor, one of the pleasures is being an adventurer, going someplace, reaching for something that you don't know, not interpreting, not embodying something that you already know, but trying to learn something, giving yourself something to learn, learning it, and then trying to see a new way. And I, I'm, maybe you can do that as a director, but the director has to be responsible for this huge group of people to say, we're heading this way. And as a, an actor, I don't have that same responsibility. This gentleman here. Hi. Um, so I'm uh, at drama school and about to go into the industry. And I was wondering if you have any advice for young actors today and maybe what you'd do if you were going into the industry now. Ah, I won't answer the second one because that idea is too frightening. <laughs> um, I can't. If I was a... I probably wouldn't be doing this if I, I don't know um, I don't know just practice and, and find out find out what you love and uh, go towards it even you know I'm a great uh, I believe in apprenticeship so if there's a company that you love or a filmmaker that you love just get as close as you can to them and um, something will rub off and you'll either, you know, get into the fabric of that group making something, or you'll learn something that'll take you someplace else. So don't wait. You know, do this to do this. Don't do this to do that. Don't make, you know, don't make long-term plans. Um, you know, feed the beast, the thing that you like to do. Uh, feed it. Feed it and don't wait. Don't, you know, make deals with yourself. I can take a question from up here uh, this time. Yes. Yeah, you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, sorry. He's... Sorry, I didn't realize. Uh, we'll take this one at the microphone. And if you want to come to the microphone, you can do the next one. Um, it depends always it depends on the situation I, I think normally that you know because you're, you're willing yourself to consider a different set of habits a different way of thinking um, you're inviting you're trying to leave, leave yourself behind and become something else uh, once the camera is not there and once the situation is not there those characters go back into you. Now, you can have a hangover if you're, you know, playing a, a murderer 12 hours a day, even though you're pretending, 
it's going to enter your dreams. It is going to affect you. But, um, yeah, I think when people have problems hanging on to stuff, it's because they're hanging on. And, of course, when, you, when you're done with something, it's important to let it go, um, to make room for something else, because that's another... That's a different kind of lockstep that I think really kills you, you know, makes you unhappy if you, if you uh, feel trapped, like trapped in a character or trapped in a set of ways of being. Sorry, I feel bad because that guy could speak and then he couldn't, so please, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, how are you? My name's Arthur. I'm a physician by profession, but the movies are my passion. Okay. Secrets of good good health. Health. Uh, uh, I don't know. Must be all that clean don't living be a from jerk. <laughs> Try not to be a jerk. <laughs> um, develop a practice, a daily practice whether it's a physical practice. I personally do a yoga practice for 35 years, and that probably saves me. Um, but I have a practice, whatever it is, that you, can be your time and uh, uh, sets the tone for the day, preferably in the morning. And be a vegetarian. Um, let's have a question from a woman this time. We've had lots of men. Uh, let's, oh, you're very keen. Let's, yeah, yeah. Um. Yes, I'm a woman. I'm, I'm a director, and um, I'm very interested to ask you. You've done a lot of films about artists and creative people, and what is it that draws you to the character of an artist? They have unusual lives. And um, what they do, there's no, there's no rule book. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> Finding ways to express their inner thoughts through their, their particular discipline. And I think that interests me in all people. And I think, um, but an artist, it becomes more transparent because that, that, that is on the table. That's what they're about. But I, I, I think that interests me in all people, you know, how people make strategies on how to live and, and how they create belief systems and what they cling to and what they don't need and what they get from other people and what is really original thinking. And I think with artists, because often they're, they're searching for that, that original thought, that original gesture, that original articulation of something that's particular to them, I'm attracted to that because I want to learn how to do that someday. <laughs> I've, um, I know you also, so do you hang out with artists? Because I know you're quite good friends with Jeff Koons and I always like the idea of you <laughs> yeah, two yeah. hanging out. Um, you know, downtown, uh, when I was growing up, uh, yeah, I, I probably spent a lot of time in... Painting studios and dance studios, um, probably more than theater. 
and uh, probably knew more performance artists than I knew actors, more, more musicians than I knew actors. So that's just kind of where I lived. And then once you start working just socially, I tend to connect the dots. Um, let's have one over here. How, the movie how, how, how was the movie industry changed by the beginning of the Me Too movement? Ah, trying to figure that one out. It's changed a lot because, um, for example, I did a movie recently and before you could work, it's required that you take a course online about proper... Um, proper Conduct. Conduct. That didn't happen before. Um, so people are making efforts to uh, be conscious of abuses and uh, being conscientious also about, um, just in general, there's a, there's a new sense of, um, you know, breaking up the old boy network and making not only the making films, but also what films are about more representative of a larger group of people. They're, that's all connected because I think that's connected to uh, somewhat to these people that uh, went public with abuses in the past and there's an effort to try to address those. So what that all means, I don't know because it's in, uh, you know, the, the conversation is happening and I, I'm not just being politic. I really don't know how deeply it changes. Yeah. Um, let's have one here. Uh, hi. Uh, first, thanks for the talk. But um, my question would be, since you've seen the success of films like uh, Joker and Joaquin Phoenix's method acting, do you think it requires a certain type of actor or maybe a certain type of role uh, to method act? Um, when you talk about method acting, I'm always confused because I don't know what that is. Not, I think I know what most people are talking about when they talk about method acting. I really don't know, I wasn't trained that way. And um, I, when I was a student, and probably since then I've read Stanislavski, that's one thing. The method is something else. Um, just for me, I always think of uh, substitution and emotional recall, and that's not something that I particularly respond to. Um, I respond to pretending. <laughs> um, like if at your mother's funeral, do you make an anticipation that you're supposed to cry there? And then because you're going to cry, you've got to think of something sad, whether it's your mother or your, your mother's death or your dead puppy or whatever. That takes you out of the scene. It, you aren't applying yourself to the real situation. I think there's a, for me personally, you pretend, you look there and say, oh, if, you know, you look at the details, you look at the coffin, you imagine. I, that does it for me much better than taking me out of the scene. Because then that's the difference between really exploring something and having a, a 
an experience and interpreting something. I think that's just one aspect of the method that I'm familiar with that doesn't, uh, I don't respond to. And uh, Joaquin's a good actor. He's, he's a great actor. He's not here. He should answer the question for you. <laughs> We're going to have one last question. Uh, let's take uh, this one here. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Thank hi. you. Um, my question is, um, do you have any projects either on like the personal side or in the working side that you've not done yet, which you'd like to do? Thanks. I don't initiate projects so much. I'm like a parasite. <laughs> I glom onto someone else's and try to help them do that. It gets back to that thing about, you know, if there's something that I want to do, it usually completes itself. Particularly when I was younger, there were moments sometimes where I felt like I wasn't having good opportunities. I thought, well, if you don't have good opportunities, you better start making them for yourself. So then I flirted with trying to initiate projects, and it never felt right, because usually they completed themselves in my head as I prepared for them. I need something to take, you know, where, where I, I, I want to get away from my agenda. Ultimately, it's my agenda to, to try to think different things. You know, you re, I'm, I sound like a broken record, right? But... Uh, Really, the trick is always to break the habit, break the habit, feel again, wake up, wake up, wake up. That's the key. That's really the answer to the acting question. <laughs> you know, work on being a human being, uh, work on waking up. That's what's important. And I can't do that if I'm imagining something that's going to serve my interests. I prefer to look at something outside of me and go towards it and try to learn something. Which, when I say it, sounds kind of noble. It's not. It's totally selfish because it's about saving yourself from a certain kind of uh, control and staleness of habit. What a fantastic note to end on. Thank you so much, Willem Defoe. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Intelligence Squared. We'd love to hear your feedback and what you think we should talk about next, who we should have on and what our future debates should be. Send us an email or a voice note with your thoughts to podcasts at intelligencesquared.com or on Twitter at Intelligence2. And if you'd like to hear more, attend some of our excellent events or peruse over 20 years of our back catalogue featuring some of the world's greatest minds, then head over to intelligencesquared.com. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. 
And we also use our cutting edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.